and welcome to the Mindset Growth Academy podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show, I'm going to be using a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity, and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading mindset coach, helping to inspire, support, and guide you to create a growth mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. Are you ready to bring mindset to life and create success from the inside out? Let's go. Hi, and welcome back to the Mindset Growth Academy podcast. Today, I'm joined by the amazing Catherine Kimber. Catherine is a registered non-diet dietitian and the founder of Nude Nutrition. She's on a mission to free people dieting and to strip back on the confusing nutrition information that's out there. Catherine has completed an intensive amount of formal um, education training, achieving a first class degree in nutrition and dietetics. Have I said that right? Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) At King's College London and has a distinction in her master's uh, in clinical research. She's worked both for the NHS and privately. And she is highly experienced in providing motivational support and is now certified intuitive eating counsellor. None of these roll off the tongue. Um, but anyway, very impressive. Uh, today, Catherine is sharing with us the importance of having a healthy relationship with food and the impact that it has on, on our overall well-being and performance. She's also going to be talking to us about how to ensure that we're fueling our minds and bodies with nutritious food and evidence-based, no-nonsense nutritional information. So very jam-packed. Obviously, you have lots of experience and there's lots of things that I want to talk to you about today. So um, I'm super excited because I think nutrition plays such an important part in our, well, in our productivity and in our um, everyday life. And yet not many people really recognize that. So um, I'm very keen to get started. So thanks so much for agreeing to come on today. You're welcome. So um, I just want to start it off by actually talking about what intuitive eating really means, because I have an idea, but I'm not sure that it's the right idea. So I'd love for you to just give um, the listeners a a brief intro as to what that actually means. Yeah, so intuitive eating is actually quite a trendy topic at the moment. It's been in the media quite a lot, I'd say, over the last year. But I I work with clients that have that judgy inner voice that's sitting on their shoulders, constantly telling them that they're good fruit in a carrot or a salad and bad fruit in a cake or a cookie. And quite often swinging between sort of diet land, so being good and donut land and falling off the wagon and never really finding that comfortable place in the middle. And you mentioned productivity and, and this kind of stuff can be so, so consuming. Um, just this confusion around nutrition and constantly feeling guilty. So intuitive eating is a framework that has been developed to help people let go of these external tools to tell them what to eat, when to eat and how much to eat, such as calorie counting, meal planning, um, bad foods, good foods, and to help people reconnect with the best tool to tell them what to eat, when to eat and how much to eat. And that's our bodies. So Children, um, just to sort of give you an example of uh, what I mean by this, children are 
really good at eating when they're hungry, stopping when they're full and eating a wide variety of different foods that satisfy them generally. And as we grow older, we're told to finish everything on our plate and maybe eat our vegetables before we can have our pudding. And this kind of disconnects us with our natural ability to eat Um, and then we add in all this information around nutrition whether it be fact or fiction and and there's a recipe for a lot of judgment around food so intuitive eating is an evidence-based framework that's been around for nearly 25 years and it's really been developed to help heal people from the chronic side effects of dieting there are 10 guiding principles behind it And it's really, it falls under a social justice framework called Health at Every Size, which is, it's a weight inclusive health um, approach to health. And it's, it's a much gentler approach to looking at improving people's health that doesn't put weight loss and weight at the centre. Hopefully that explains it. Totally. There's so, there is so much confusion out there. And actually, just as you were talking about that, it uh, just reminded me of some conversations that that Jono and I will often have because like he's a real foodie mm-hmm. but he's half Chinese and he'll often say oh I'm craving white rice mm-hmm. or I'm craving red meat because that's what his body needs um, mm-hmm. and often we don't listen to what our body needs we just eat through habit mm-hmm. um, I know loads of people and myself included get into a habit of eating certain things and you go a little bit into autopilot with it. But actually, sometimes it well, more often than not, we need to tap into the intuitive side of, of what we need anyway. But um, it's so important to listen to what our body actually wants. So is that? Yeah. And I guess it can sound, you know, some people are very disconnected with that um, and, don't, and really don't have that trust in themselves. So I guess it's a framework to help build that trust back up. And when you say, you know, sometimes we think that we for example need we crave a steak therefore our body needs iron Mm. there's actually not that much evidence to suggest that that is true Mm. but certainly if you're craving something or you're wanting you've got a desire to want to eat something because you've got the taste for it you know you fancy it Mm. restricting yourself from that food can make that intensity or that, that desire more intense yeah and um and that's what happens when we put these maybe you know naughty foods so foods that we consider naughty or bad or unhealthy up on this pedestal the desire to want to eat them becomes a lot stronger and I meet a lot of people that have cravings for certain things and find themselves feeling out of control around food and it's usually because of the restriction of that Mm -hmm. uh, rather than having a small amount of it and or a large amount of that food and just enjoying it and moving on yeah so um, I think there's so much pressure as well isn't there in society to um to eat a certain way like vegan um food is a lot more um available now mm-hmm. uh, and yet years ago it, it wasn't really kind of a word that we would all recognize or you know associate ourselves to it and mm-hmm. but there's so much pressure isn't there and there's so much information that's out there that that it can be confusing yeah definitely and we're also in the middle of like a booming wellness industry which isn't actually regulated so whilst as a dietitian we are governed by a professional body the health and care professions council and if we do anything dodgy we'll get struck off the register Mm -hmm. and 
but that doesn't stop Mrs. Smith down the road starting a blog page about vegan diets and then or something that she's personally tried that's worked for her mm. and pushing off her opinion as fact and distributing her knowledge about something mm. that she's experienced to the world and so there's no one stopping someone starting a blog and writing about nutrition and and actually that can end up becoming quite dangerous and we see people that are embarking on certain um eating in a certain way to cure cancers and then not taking their medicines because they're trying to cure certain things through food and so it can actually end up being quite dangerous mm. um, and so so yeah I think there's there's a lot of information out there and a lot of it's very very confusing and um it's a wellness as I say it's, it's an unregulated industry yeah um, which makes it even worse totally which is why you're here today so you can educate us all on it yes <laughs> and help us understand that. it um if we can go back to the beginning because you in in the intro i mentioned obviously you've worked for the nhs you've worked privately you now run your own business can you just sort of um share like your why you got into nutrition sort of what kind of made you want to to go down that route and how has that journey evolved to to get you to where you are now yeah so i started my business about i really sort of started from the very very beginning about a year and a half ago um, and actually I quit my full-time job and, and went full-time on this in January 20, February 2018, so just over a year ago now. Um, prior to that, I guess my interest in nutrition started from a young age. I always wanted to be a chef um, or even a nurse. My mum was a nurse and so I guess combining the food and nursey side of things led me down this path and when I was looking at my doing my A-levels I, I visited different universities and I didn't even know my degree really existed or what a dietitian was at this stage and I did some shadowing and I found it all really interesting so I just followed that path and did my degree worked in the NHS for about three years and I was working in different clinical specialties so I was a specialist kidney dietitian for a little while and I worked with those that had strokes and that were on, um, had traumatic brain injuries and those that are very old and all, all different specialties. And a lot of that was very yeah, clinical focused and people were chew fed and all sorts of things. Um, and then I moved into working in private weight management clinic and um, working a lot more closely with individuals and those that are perhaps from the outside actually you would consider to be quite healthy there's nothing clinical going on with them but they're just not particularly comfortable in their bodies and feel they, they just want to sort of improve their health and um, through their improving their diet and, um, and and often wanting to lose a bit of weight as well so I guess what I realized through working with individuals very closely around weight management is we know that 80 to 95% of people who embark on dieting, we know that that weight loss that comes off is usually regained within five years in 80 to 95% of people. And that data comes out of your commercial kind of weight loss programs. And so this was very different. I was working with those on a much more intensive basis. We were delivering these kind of flexible, beautiful meal plans and uh you know weight would come down but then what i noticed was one not everyone was able to lose weight two a lot of people that had lost some weight would then be coming back having gained that weight and wanting to then 
do another round of uh, weight loss uh, because they knew that this approach works for them in the first place. Mm. But actually on the side of that would be experiencing a lot of guilt and shame and stress and maybe binge eating or feeling out of control around certain foods or emotional eating or stress eating, comfort eating frequently. Or maybe they'd lose that ability to really recognize their natural hunger and fullness cues and their weight would be coming back up and all of this all of these negative side effects of dieting that no diet is ever going to sell you and and it just it it just didn't make sense and it didn't it wasn't something that I felt comfortable doing anymore um and I guess I personally resonated with all of these negative side effects as well and so I kind of went back and almost re educated myself um i guess we live in a culture that praises thinness and places a higher value on people that are uh, on being in a smaller body and even as you go through university and in the medical system and in schools everything is kind of you know if you're thinner then you're healthier and um and even at university we're kind of taught about dieting and how to help people improve their health by telling them what to eat and if they're thinner they're therefore going to be healthier and actually there's a lot more to it than that and this culture is shifting i think we are becoming a little bit less body image focused but it is a huge shift to turn and so i kind of had to re-educate myself mm-hmm. um in this area and um and help move away from putting weight loss at the at the focus of people's health and help people move through their food problems and let the weight settle in its natural and healthy place for them and that may not be in that kind of uh, what could, in that place that society would consider to be um or, or believe believe us to believe is op- believe us to be optimal mm-hmm. so that kind of size 10 body um and i think it's estimated that around 75 percent of women actually face uh, have, have a negative relationship with food um and so it's something that i've realized is just it's like um it's part and parcel of almost being a woman to it to be restrictive and to um feel guilt around certain foods and to restrict ourselves on certain things and and it doesn't have to be that way so I guess I help people move away from all of that kind of stuff now yeah it's a lot more of a rewarding way to work I mean my next question was about the (laughs) biggest uh, misconceptions around nutrition and I think you Mm. kind of really asked that and the fact that so many people just focus on the weight loss yes um rather than again on what their body needs is that right I mean having been having been in the NHS obviously that was very clinical privately it was very much weight loss um orientated but now running your own business Mm. what is the common patterns that you see forming with people when it comes to nutrition well um just going back to that misconception yeah you mentioned about yeah weight not being the be all and end all and I think um yeah I think there's that misconception that weight is something that you control and it's just you know eat less and move more and actually weight and what we eat is not really the only determinant of our health and health and our weight is actually really really complicated and um when you look at our health outcomes our 
a lot of us, a lot of people I meet are like, well, if I've got the perfect diet and I'm moving regularly and I'm, you know, I'm kind of eating really well, then I'm going to be really, really healthy. Mm. When actually it's about 15 to 20% of our health outcomes. So like risk of disease and death can be influenced by lifestyle behaviors, mm. diet, exercise, smoking, alcohol, and around 60% of what can account for our health is, um, is actually our sort of social status. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to micromanage nutrition and I don't really want to downplay my job because obviously I, I work in this industry and I, it is a really important thing. But at the same time, sometimes it, we've got to remember that it is just one small part of the picture and, and not to get overly hung up on, on our diet mm. um, because it can end up kind of being a bit consuming. Um, so yeah so, so one of the biggest misconceptions is yeah if i eat the perfect diet i'll be healthy um and in terms of trying to control our weight that's very complex and it's not about just eat less move more yeah um, I'm going to that in more detail if you want me to well, yeah, because, i mean like you touched on the fact that obviously 20 percent is what you eat and then there's other elements and then there's the social status as well so i'd love to know a little bit more about that side of things but yeah I mean for years it's always been if you if you want to lose weight you eat less and you move more yeah. um, and I've heard so many people um, say that and I suppose I I have done it on some level I think like, mm. like I mean I, I don't need to lose weight essentially but when I like when I was getting married or whatever I had wanted to have that perfect body in the wedding dress and so mm. you know, your diet and approach change but what what like elaborate a bit on that because that does surprise me in the fact yeah, what, what really happens so we all have in in theory like a set point weight so a bit like how our body likes to control its t uh, temperature yeah, yeah like stays within a certain range and it does that very tightly the same happens for our body weight so we like to our body likes to control its weight within a certain range and that might be around 10 to 15 pounds uh, and that that range will vary for different individuals and where the weight sits will vary for different individuals but when we're wanting to try and lose weight we we diet and we you know we have we take in less energy and maybe we'll do more exercise and yet yeah, the weight comes down we know that is possible for a lot of people not for everyone sometimes people just can't it, it doesn't do anything um so we know that that initial weight loss is possible and at, at that time our body starts to signal and to ourselves to say look you know weight's coming down body notices this weight loss and that's mediated by hormones that we have in our fat cells called one, one in particular called leptin so that sort of then signals to the body to say hey weight's coming down let's ramp up your appetite so appetite increases uh, one hormone in particular ghrelin ramps up we then get changes in our taste buds to say eat more sugar so quite often we'll get sugar cravings that have never really been there before and that's our body's way of saying it needs energy and sugar is the quickest and most available source of energy for the body so cravings ramp up but at this time because we might be on this mission we're, we're wanting to lose weight, the weight's coming down. We then ignore these hunger signals. The body starts to dial them down and turn them off because why would it listen to your, um, why would it listen, why would it give you them signals if you're not listening to them anyway? Mm. 
metabolism slows down but at some point we kind of cave in and and the weight ends up coming back and that might be when the weight loss stops because we've you know we're doing everything that we think's right we're eating less we're moving more but the weight loss isn't coming off anymore so we kind of give up or maybe we've reached that target um guilt shame kind of comes in and anxiety and and judgment around that weight coming back on and we just think well I've not got the willpower I can't keep it off but actually it's biology that's brought you back up there coupled with the fact that you might also have that sort of solid mentality well I've you know I've blown it now I've gained some weight I might as well just eat the donuts um and it and then it, it comes back up but actually that's that's biology doing its thing to protect you but that can be really hard you mentioned being in like a you're naturally in a smaller body and that fits within society's kind of um would what society would consider to be acceptable but there are some people that are in larger bodies that society wouldn't consider to be acceptable that are experiencing exactly the same thing Mm -hmm. and there can be a lot of stigma attached to that and so I guess yeah the way that I do is help people understand that understand their weight and there are people that we would call the unicorns that are out there that can lose weight keep it off for a long time but at the same time are they living a life of constant self-monitoring and restriction to keep that weight down um so that i guess is what's going on when we're trying to manipulate our body weight so i guess the work that i do is to help people reconnect with their natural signals let their weight settle where it's going to settle and get them to a place where they're engaging in healthy behaviors such as improving their Uh, the way in which they're eating from a place of what feels good Uh, generally it feels good for most of us to eat a wide variety of different foods um, that satisfy us it doesn't feel good to eat donuts all day and it doesn't feel good to eat broccoli all day and it's helping find that balance um, and helping people become more accepting accepting of of their bodies as well for where they are and what they've got so that makes sense it well yeah I'm hoping it does. I'm just going to look. So basically we all have, like you say, this, this, this weight that we've kind of been given that, that, uh, that is where you're ultimately going to stay. So even if you diet, you'll probably come back to this weight. If you, yeah, a lot of the time, yeah, it's usually the place that you go back to in between diet. And some people don't know where that is because they've swung up, down, up, down so much, but usually a lot of people know that when they're not overly focused, when they're just kind of getting on with life without thinking too much about their food, like their weight. I know for me, my weight always comes back to, I don't want to say the number, but it always comes back to a certain number, regardless of what I do. Um, If I've been on holiday for a week or so, and I've maybe overindulged and, and eaten more than I would usually when I'm at home, then my weight will come back down. Equally, if I diet and try and bring my weight down, it will come back up you know within a couple of months or within the year it'll come back to that place yeah so a lot of people usually can resonate with that a lot of people say oh in the winter they cut a few pounds because the meals are heavier and and you're eating Mm. more more Mm. um warming foods and then in the summer you eat i don't know like more salads for example and so it can cause that so that you know that is quite reassuring to some level but how does that impact on people who are desperate to to lose weight and suddenly they're being told well actually scientifically you will be at 
this weight and real realistically health wise there's there's nothing necessarily that you can do to drop that how like how do you yeah, so i think it just come one comes back to understanding that health isn't about you know um health isn't always about your body weight so just to re remove that fear of you know if you're carrying more body weight it doesn't mean that you can't engage in behaviors to improve your health yeah and there's really good studies to show that um there was a study in particular that followed um 12,000 people over 14 years and it categorized them into the obese category overweight category normal weight category or healthy weight as considered by the body mass index scale category followed them over 14 years and actually when those were in the obese overweight categories although their risk of death was higher um at the start when they're engaging in all of the main four health behaviors so eating plenty of fruit and vegetables moving the body sm uh, not smoking and not drinking too much alcohol their risk of death came down to the same level as someone that is in a smaller body embarking in all of them behaviors as well okay i think just removing that kind of fear of i'm unhealthy um if i'm in this larger body and of course there's nothing against i have nothing against people wanting to lose weight um, and embark on that journey i guess i'm there to pick up the people that have tried that avenue and they've experienced all of the negative side effects that we tend to see such as the binge eating the secret eating the food obsession the feeling guilty the rebound weight gain and so i usually pick up the people that have done diet after diet after diet um, and I, I guess it's I have no issue with those out there that are wanting to experiment I think we all need to go through our own journeys to be able to get to a place where we're ready to accept a new way of thinking yeah um, and that's okay as well and you know if, if if someone's in a place where they're really uncomfortable in their bodies and they are um, and they have never dieted in their life and you know, they're wanting to embark on improving their health i would say to focus on the behaviors that they can do in the here and now without necessarily just putting weight loss at the center of that because it usually ends up falling it usually ends up um you know, not being a sustainable long-term thing if weight if weight loss is always right at the center Totally. I think it's the it's the natural obvious thing that people, if they want to get fitter or whatever, they want to lose weight. And again, I do think that there is pressure yeah. on how we look that then makes people yeah. change their diets. Um, but it, I mean, I, I consider myself very health conscious and I, and I never really knew this. I mean, this is all like new information. Yeah. But yeah. That, that actually, um, you know, people are very quick to judge whether you're too skinny, yeah. whether, you know, on the larger side, there are always people that will judge and they'll ultimately say you're unhealthy, regardless of whether you're too, too light or too heavy. And um, sure. I've, you know, I've been on the receiving end of people talking behind my back about being too skinny and this, that and the other and not being healthy. Yeah. Um, but but that all i suppose comes from this whole well it's the diet stuff when actually again you know which fits in with my says it's the internal side isn't it so like yeah. you said if the if the skinny people and the um obese people are following the four elements of um nutrition with the three well, main sort of health behaviors yeah so sort of yeah. then yeah. then every then 
who are we to judge because they are very healthy exactly well and also health is health isn't just dictated to by them lifestyle factors remember they make up about 20 percent of our actual overall picture of health um and and the social side of things genetics biology also comes into that access yeah, to medical, sure. medical care but you mentioned about if we want to get fit fit you know losing weight you can get fit without losing weight and maybe weight loss would be a side effect of doing more ex exercise for some people not always then then fine um but that is almost as a side effect and i think it's yeah it's challenging the assumptions that we have behind just looking at someone you cannot judge simply by looking at someone whether they're healthy or unhealthy or what the hell's going on with them you can't make that assumption that someone in a larger body is lazy, they're an emotional eater, and they've not got their stuff together. And they're the, I'm not, they're the assumptions that I, I hear from other people. They're not assumptions that I'm making. And you yeah. also can't um, assume that someone in a smaller body has got everything together and they've also got a good relationship with food. Yeah. So, yeah, just challenging that mindset around bodies, I guess. Um, but it is, this stuff is really challenging. It's really different. It's not what you would perhaps here um in the media no. um, uh, and it 100%. is 100% you don't hear this in the, in the media no. yeah um, and for me like just hearing this um and there is a lot there has to be a lot of self-acceptance then that you are in the body that you're in 100%. and I know from experience that 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 isn't always easy when they're striving to be something else or to look in a different way, i.e. losing the weight and that sort of stuff. So what tips can you give people? What advice is there out there? When, when obviously, as you've just said, in the media, when we talk about health and about diets, like if you look in magazines, there will always be, oh, you know, these people are super fit, whatever, and they've got athletic looking bodies. I right? mm. think outwardly look fit. Um, and there is pressure to conform and to try and compete and compare your bodies with other people. Um, but sometimes that is just, you're fighting a, a total losing battle, battle if your body is not designed for that but your head is saying something else. So um, are there, like, what tips do you have for that whole self-acceptance piece around that to help people kind of form these better relationships with themselves, with food, um, to, to love the bodies that they're in, um, and ultimately take the pressure off trying to be something that you're not going to be and therefore you should embrace who you are, which mm. like, is a message across not just diet, nutrition, though. We should all embrace who we are, our flaws and all, and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, but I'm just interested in to, to what, like when you're working with your clients, when they find this information out, what's their immediate reaction? And also how do you then overcome these sorts of self-acceptance challenges? Yeah, so you're right, it does come down to a lot a lot of work that I do with my clients is around body respect and acceptance. And that is really, really, really hard. And especially when someone has been perhaps 
trying to change their body for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 13 years. Yeah. And so I think at the beginning, it's just having a little bit of self-compassion and recognizing that it's okay to be struggling with this stuff. It's okay to still want to be in that mindset of trying to shrink your body when you've wanted to try and shrink that all your life. And so just giving yourself a, a load of self-compassion, which is really a bit like when you're feeling compassionate towards a friend suffering or a animal suffering or your child suffering. And the way in which you speak to them is usually very kind and you're doing everything and saying everything that you want to say to help them feel better. And it's directing some of that inwards and just recognizing that it's this diet culture that we are surrounded by that's kept us sucked into this um kind of uh sucked into this body hate i guess Um, cycle so i would say adopting some some self-compassion and even following if you're on social media, sort of hashtag self-compassion, hashtag self-love quotes, we know that within two to three weeks can start to attenuate the negativity that we can receive from platforms, social media around our bodies. So another important thing to do, as you mentioned, how can we start to feel better in a society that's constantly, you know, um, telling us otherwise. And that, you can't control the media but you can control what you consume and so some of the work that I do right from the beginning is helping people clean up their social media feed look at who they're following on social media are they following a diverse range of different bodies or are they following those skinny athletic tone type bodies that aren't really a true representation of what we see day to day so get really ruthless with that and cut out those kind of negative messages or messages aren't particularly making you feel good and some people might say to me oh but they're like they're motivating they make me they give me something to strive for but we know that then sort of images can actually have a negative impact on how you feel about your own body and research is you know backs that up so clean up and clean up social media feed clean up even newsletters that you receive and things through email and and just where you're receiving your information from around nutrition is is another really important thing and get i get clued up on this kind of stuff i've introduced you to the, the 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 dieting and the theory around weight and health but there are some really really great books out there one in particular called health at every size is a really great book that goes into more detail on this kind of stuff another one called body respect by linda bacon and lucy afremore so i just think get yourself educated on this kind of stuff to help recognize what's actually going on with your body and understanding that a little bit more um i would also question where the idea of being in a larger body or gaining weight or having fat on your body question where that in your mind has you know ask yourself where the idea of gaining weight equals bad where's that come from because when you come out of your mum's womb we didn't think like that you know we didn't have any hang-ups about our body and it's been as as we've grown older that all of this messaging that's coming from different angles whether it be at school boyfriends family things that we've consumed in the media that have kind of influence the way in which we think about bodies and weight so i would challenge your kind of 
um, beliefs around that for sure. Um, and yeah, challenge your own assumptions, which you've already mentioned around different body shapes and sizes and your beliefs around people in different bodies and larger bodies and follow people and read their stories that are going through um, or have been through a difficult relationship with their body that have now come out the other side of that um, and understand the stigma that people face that are in larger bodies and I think just having more of an understanding and um, of, of that can also help with uh, our own journeys around our relationship with our bodies and there are some amazing people on social media that are body positive sort of activists and and written books and all sorts of things out there that we can start to engage with around our own bodies yeah. so that's some of the work that I do and I know it's not food related but I guess that is the reason why people then try to manipulate their food to control their weight is rooted in this lack of acceptance or willingness to change the body which is as I say is is also okay like don't feel bad if that if you have that desire it's really natural and normal in our culture 100% but I, you know what you've just said there it just almost highlights um the importance like when we when we talk about mindset or, or anything like that we often um associate it with certain things like business or sport or or life <clears throat> we don't necessarily associate it with health Mm -hmm. um, because we think, oh, you know, health controls us rather than the, we, we control it. And um, when it comes to like this nutrition and the intuitive eating, mm -hmm. um, that self-acceptance and that the way in which you view yourself and the pressure and, and the guilt and all of those emotions that you put on yourself are very much driven by your mindset and how you value yourself and the limiting beliefs that you've built up around you. And, you know, that goes with anything, whether it's um, to do with money, health, business, wealth, whatever it may be. And so it almost just shows that there is in every area of your life, there are these same core things that come through that when you can manage them, obviously things start to fall into place a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not surprised when you were talking about the main things that you work on, aren't directly linked with food which you would would associate yeah. obviously think, think that it would but it's yeah. it's the habits and the patterns isn't it the relationship with food, yeah 100 percent. you know there's so many times when you've had a bad day and so you have a glass of wine or a chocolate bar or you know yeah. people reach for these things yeah um, and eat based on emotions um yeah. uh, and that sort of stuff and uh, i suppose Anger is not the word, but I'm just so surprised at the lack of information that is out there in the media for people mm -hmm. to have this understanding of nutrition in the way that you've just described it. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, nutrition is massive. We, we need nutrition to be healthy. Yeah. And we're putting all these unnecessary pressures and um, uh, preconceived ideas on ourselves based on the information that we're given that, that isn't fact mm -hmm. um, and therefore it is causing people to to feel like they need to be in a different body yeah um, and just with this disordered sort of relationship with food that, as I say kind of becomes part and parcel of just being a human being it's like yeah 
say emotional eating cravings and I think one of the most common problems that I do see in practice when people come to me is that they'll say I'm an emotional eater and I can't get out of that cycle of kind of binging in the evenings when I come home or stress eating mm. and actually when we dig down into that quite often there's other things that are going on that contribute towards that episode of what they think is an entirely an emotional eating thing and just a classic example is you know clients might come to me they've had they eat a small breakfast if at all maybe have a bit of lunch um you know a small lunch and kind of have maybe labeled their self as being quite good that day and they come home in the evening and want to eat the house down and feel like oh, I've just had such a, a big emotional eating episode and I couldn't stop myself but actually there's a whole load of other things that can be contributing to that which is one of which may simply be hunger and really it sounds simple but it's really not that easy to tune into the subtleties that we feel in our hunger levels so quite often we know what it feels like to be a zero and we're running on gas and we're feeling starving hungry mm. and then bouncing all the way up to a 10 on the scale where we're completely stuffed and never really actually eating at that point where we feel like a polite level of hunger where we could eat but we could also wait half an hour and and it's yes. really difficult to eat in a way that's conscious and um, mindful when you're starving hungry so kind of look into that a little bit more let's really detect those hunger levels um is it the fact that that desire to want to have that cheese and chocolate in the evening is because those foods in your mind are considered to be bad or off limits because as soon as we put uh, put these foods up on a pedestal the desire to want to eat them is going to be stronger regardless of whether we actually want them or not just because they're kind of bad or they're out of bounds or they're kind of off what we would consider to be part of our day-to-day -day diet and so it's not giving yourself that permission to eat the food also can contribute coupled with the fact that you might have had a stressful day you might not have dinner prepared your stress levels might be raised because you're actually really hungry um, and a bit hangry at this time and so it's like a perfect storm for someone to say I'm you know I'm an emotional eater and I can't I can't control myself um and so I think it's I kind of break down all of that stuff and when we actually tune into hunger levels when we bring food down off its pedestal and put it you know put that cheese and chocolate onto a level playing field with all other foods it's just food people get to um um recognize what food they enjoy what satisfies them maybe it's the fact that they've not eaten enough throughout the day and they need to incorporate a bit of cheese into their lunch or the food that they would consider naughty um into their day-to-day -day so it doesn't become this uh, food that's off limits um and yeah so so work through that and if it is an emotional eating episode we'll look at okay, if you're not hungry, you know, you have given yourself unconditional permission to eat that food, well, and you're still emotional eating, one, emotional eating is not necessarily a bad thing, and it's only really problematic if it's something that's happening all the time, um, but food can be part of that emotional coping toolkit, mm. oh. um, and so it's helping them recognise, well, what is that exact emotion that they're going through, and I'll pull out this emotional word will and actually really dig down okay what are you feeling if you're feeling tired are you actually feeling exhausted burnt out overworked and and what do you actually need in this moment to feel better maybe that is food but maybe it's not maybe it's something else and so we'll delve down that avenue um 
So I guess that's the sort of work that I would do with clients rather than providing a meal plan, putting more judgment on to, to what someone's eating. I help them discover from the inside out what feels good, what's going on and help them unpick all of that. Um, yeah. And I mean, I love what you do anyway. And um, I just think that it, it needs, there needs to be more out there, more information out there. To educate these all of us on it really mm. um because ultimately the minute we all want what we can't have anyway so the minute you eliminate something you're like well yeah. that's all you can think about because at some point yeah that, okay, you cave in. yeah um and it's that unnecessary pressure um and and it's actually in some respects not about the food at all i mean obviously there yeah. are elements but yeah. The yeah. Is there's there's so much more to it and we don't know what we don't know. And so when people want to lose weight or want to get fitter or whatever, their natural focus is on food and exercise. Um, yeah. And what you've really opened us up to is the fact that actually you need to look at what's going on around you, how you're thinking at the, uh, um, what's your relationship like with food? How do you talk about food? How do you act around food? Mm. Um, why you want to do it is it for yourself is it for others and and exploring the fact that there is so much more to it mm -hmm. uh, i just think is uh, uh, maybe other people knew this but for me um i suppose i i've never really dieted i suppose so i i know nutrition from a sports level yeah but I, but what you see in the media doesn't represent any of this sort of stuff um no and therefore we're it's an unfair service or just yeah. injustice to other people who are struggling and so i, I think the work that you do is is phenomenal mm. um can you just share um your your top three tips for someone that is listening right now <clears throat> whether they want to lose weight or gain weight or whatever it may be they but they feel that they need to make changes. What are the top tips three that you would say to, to focus on? I mean, I know you, you've spoken about a lot of things, but if you can just condense it into these three mm. um, initial things for people to consider or to try or to think about. So I would, first of all, I don't know if we've got three clear ones here, but first of all is to not get too caught up in things. So, Nutrition guidelines haven't really changed much in the last 50 years, but we end up kind of getting overly into stuff. So don't, you're probably doing better than you think you are. So don't get too caught up in things is number one. Number two, I would say clean up your social media feed, not just from a body image place, but also from where you're receiving nutrition information. Are you receiving information from someone that's qualified? Are they passing off their personal opinion as fact? Are they pushing unrealistic body standards or promoting balance without actually including all food groups or cutting out carbs as an example? So clean up your social media feed. And three, I think another thing that I'm just thinking off the cuff now is that um, a lot of people I meet struggle with their eating because they're not actually that prepared. And that doesn't mean to say, go and meal plan for your whole week and be one of them hashtag gym bros with boxes in your fridge, but just think through the day ahead, the week ahead a little bit so that actually 
it doesn't become chaotic, chaotic around food. Because of course, if you come home, you're hungry and you've not got any food in the house, you've not really thought it through, it's going to be really difficult to eat in a way that you would consider to be optimal if you're not prepared. So just to reiterate, don't get too caught up in things. Nutrition is really messy. It's really not black and white. Clean up your social media feed and clean up where you're receiving nutrition information. And third of all, just think about preparation a little bit so you are a bit ahead of the game because, yeah, it can all go a bit wrong when we're not prepared. And to seek advice. Seek the right advice as well. And I have, there's a few places I would recommend actually for solid nutrition information. It's not that easy, easy to come by. But there is a really great charity called Sense About Science and they've set up a campaign, a campaign called Ask for Evidence. And so if you ever see a headline which you're really confused about, you're not sure is true, then you can actually go in and ask them the question and they can come back to you with the science. So that's a really great resource. But also the British Nutrition Foundation is a great resource. The British Dietetic Association do food fact sheets. So BDA food facts, if you just Google that, it'll come up with a whole load of fact sheets around various different health conditions, general nutrition advice. So that's a great place to go. And actually my colleagues are releasing a book called Is Butter a Carb? Helen West and Rosie Saw, which is coming out in the next, I think it's launching next week. And that's going to be a really, really great source of information uh, that's no like sort of no nonsense nutrition so that there are places i would say you could go to for kind of general nutrition advice but if you're looking for something more specific then definitely go and see a registered dietitian and you can find those on the freelance dietitians website or a registered dietitian uh, sorry a registered nutritionist who is registered with the association for nutrition so afn um so you know don't be afraid to ask people what their experiences are if yeah. they're not really clear to you on, on what their professional experience is and, and knowledge. Totally. Um, it, thank you for, for sharing this. I just want to go back to that batch part. Yeah. Like obviously, again, this is transferable in different areas. Like a lot of people batch content, a lot of batch business, whatever. When yeah. it comes to preparation, because so many people, they say, don't food shop when you're hungry or there was nothing in the house, so I ate this. Yeah. It's really about getting the priorities right, isn't it? And if your goal is to be healthier and <clears throat> you've seeked advice uh, with regards to your body's needs and that sort of stuff, mm. the only way that, that you're then going to reap the rewards is if you, if you are committed and focused and, and, and um, put plans in place. And so having like or prepared meals and healthy snacks around you is yeah. going to obviously help with that and and um you know and just not seeing it as one one thing but actually seeing it as that there's a number of things food is one health is another mindset is another and actually mm -hmm. if you want to work on it all you've got to be focused and committed yeah, but also not being too rigid. I think definitely bulk, you know, bulk cooking and preparing for the week. And I always, or I often get like an online food shopping on a Sunday because I just don't have time and I don't want to spend my time walking around the supermarket always. I do, I do like it sometimes, but just thinking about, yeah, what, what works for you? How can you prepare for your week ahead? Because we're all busy. We've all got stuff going on and food isn't always a priority, but actually if you've got stuff there, 
it's going to be far easier to grab a snack bar or to grab some fruit or if it if it's there and available to you but if you've got a house full of or cupboards that are empty you know you're just gonna this it's just making it harder for yourself so yeah definitely but not being too obsessed about it (laughs) don't worry if you if you prepped yourself to have a certain dinner on a wednesday night but you fancy going out for dinner or you fancy a takeaway then that's also okay and not stressing about it well yeah jono and i will often say i will we'll need we should be a little bit better with our food shop but we're Mm. like i don't know what i want to eat on wednesday exactly yeah neither do i so but we always but our house is full of healthy foods Mm -hmm. and so you know that whatever you fancy and and if it's available then that's what you have and Catherine. There is, I, I imagine, I, I've got loads more questions, but I'm obviously limited with time. I imagine there's people listening who um, would certainly love to find out more about what you do. Mm-hmm. What, how can people get hold of you? Do you have any resources that are available to the listeners to kind of give them that kickstart? Um, mm-hmm. Where can they find you on social media? All of that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and it's the handle is at nude nutrition rd so n-u-d-e nutrition rd rd stands for registered dietitian or you can find me on my website which is nude nutrition rd.com and i have a free audio download and workbook which is seven steps to find food peace and food freedom so if you are someone that's struggling with yo-yo dieting emotional eating comfort eating binge eating secret eating guilty feeling guilty or feeling like you're really not engaged in your sort of natural hunger cues then it's a 20 minute audio download and I think it'll give you some good actionable steps that you can actually start taking today to help improve your relationship with food and also get more of a sense of the work that I do as well um but I predominantly do one-to-one coaching and it's all via video call and I work with clients all over the world in fact so um, but yeah, it's a good, good place to start. And that's on my website. Well, all your details I'll add on the show notes and um, I'll add a link to your freebie mm-hmm. uh, as well if people are interested. Um, thank you so much. It's It's been eye-opening mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure I'll get you back on to talk about um, this in, in greater detail. So anyone who has any questions or wants to know a little bit more, obviously send them through because then we can then look to to bring Catherine back on and to talk about it because nutrition is is something that needs to be taken seriously it's not just about dieting and losing weight it's about overall health and well-being and I think that we need to remind ourselves of that um, and to see it as a priority because what we put in our system ultimately is fueling our body and so if we want to be working at you know successful levels feeling happy and feeling um, healthy then we need to be fueling it with the right nutrients and the right foods and also conducting ourselves in, in the healthy way mm-hmm. um, and as you know i'm always there to reduce i want to reduce stigmas and i think you know the the insights that you've given will hopefully reduce some stigmas that are attached to to people's body shape and that sort of stuff and the judgments and the assumptions that are made as a result of that. So um, Mm. it's been really lovely speaking to you and um, I look forward to bringing you on again very soon, no doubt. So uh, thanks. Thank you you for having me. No worries. Thanks guys. Thanks. Bye. 
That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.